Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on technology and society. Every episode, we upload for you the expertise, insights, and opinions of thought leaders, innovators, and creators on topics at the intersection of technology and society. We'll cover pervasive and emerging technologies that are influencing and impacting our business, education, governments, research, and culture. I'm Jay. I'm Jessica. And I'm John. And we're the co-producers of the Austin Forum Upload. I'm Jay Boisseau, and I'll be the host for this episode of the Austin Forum Upload. We're going to focus on tech and design today, in particular because we've all been working remotely in a distributed fashion, most of us much more than we were used to, using online tools for communication, for collaboration, and more. And so we've been spending a lot more time using our devices and staring at screens, and we're aware of the tools we're using. We see them, we like them or don't like them, and they give us positive or negative feelings. So we really wanna talk about design and tech and how it may be changed by this pandemic, maybe forever. So that's the operating assumption, and I'm very pleased to introduce my guests to share with us their expertise and insights on this topic. First, we have Jennifer Hooley Houlihan, and Jennifer is an instructor at General Assembly in UX. Jennifer, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, everybody. My name is Huli because there are usually too many Jennifers in the classroom. And I am a UX designer, service designer, and facilitator here based in Austin, Texas. And I love teaching UX. I love asking people about design and what they think design is. And so this is really exciting opportunity for me. And Huli was a past managing director of the Austin Forum. So we're super happy to have her the Austin Forum upload. Thanks for coming back. You bet. And our other guest today is Mary Garza, who I work with on a number of projects, and she also knows Huli. So Mary, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, I'm a new UX designer. I'm here in Austin, and I was actually taught by Huli about a year ago. I met Jay through my program with Huli, and I've been a UX designer pretty much just throughout the pandemic. So I think my experience is a little different because firstly I'm younger and then also I've kind of been designing more for a pandemic world than the normal quotes in quotes world so I'm excited to talk about that. Well I'm really pleased to have you both here and so I want to start off with my operating assumption when we decided to have this episode and that is we're all facing technology more because we're interfacing with people in person less. And so especially in work, we're using our tech tools even more. And to me, that means your even design is even more important now. Uh, And my hope is that means there's more attention to it, more emphasis on good design of these tools. But that's my assumption. So that's first question. Is that true? I think the best place to start with this kind of question is talking about what design is and what it isn't. It's, it's very easy to think of design as being uh, making things pretty or making things attractive. And it's actually much more complex than that. And I would say that there is a deepening appreciation in corporate America and a lot of other sectors about the 
power that design can bring. Design is based on research. Good design is based on research, is based on data. And it involves brainstorming and prototyping and testing and executing. It's really a very intellectually rigorous uh, discipline. And it's a lot more than just saying, uh, can you make that pink? Uh, or can you, can you make that font bigger? So in answer to your question, I would say that, yeah, people, as they, as they continue their digital transformations of their companies, they're getting a really healthy appreciation for the richness that a good designer can bring and uh, the research and the data that informs good design. I completely agree with Huli. I mean, obviously, being forced to go online 20, well, not 24-7, but every day, all day, the past year has really shown at least the bigger companies that have their employees coming to the office, um, how important design is to keep their functions um, efficient from home. So not only is it important in the normal non-pandemic world, but having these challenge of, you know, easy communication and smooth handoff and transition um, with materials and um, whatever files or projects people are working on, um, design is pretty much the answer to that. So I think it is completely important. Okay, so are the two of you seeing increased emphasis on design? And as I asked this question, I realized since I work with Mary on something, she's going to say, yeah, I see you asking for a lot more design stuff on one particular project. But are you overall seeing companies uh, put more emphasis on the design of their online materials, of their app interfaces, of their websites, et cetera now? Uh, I would say absolutely. And by design, I would say it's not just UX design that we're seeing people paying more attention to. They're paying more attention to product design. They're paying more attention to service design. They're paying attention to how their processes fit together. They're paying attention to systems. And so it's no longer just about, can you make this website look nice? Or can you, can you get people to stop abandoning the shopping cart? It's a larger conversation of how do I build trust with consumers around my brand? How do I make people feel safe? How do I get them to consider us a trusted advisor in their lives, whatever the interaction might be? So I'm definitely seeing uh, that not just in manufacturing and retail though, I'm seeing it in healthcare. I'm seeing it in urban planning. I'm seeing it in all different ways that people are using to monitor and map real-time data and to communicate information. So that is a great thing for new and emerging designers. We, we need folks in the field for sure. Huli, I think your answer was a pretty good one. Um, I was gonna elaborate on the part of systems. I think before the pandemic, design was kind of viewed as an element to a company, not necessarily the entire thing. And, Obviously, I'm a UX designer, and I want to think of it as the entire thing. I think it's very important 
but throughout the pandemic, it has become realized as more of a, an entire system that your company can use. And as Julie mentioned, you're seeing it in so many different places now. People are seeing where you can use it. It can be customer facing, employee facing, whatever you can create to be easier for people to get them through your process to get to your product. Um, you're seeing a lot more of that with the pandemic, especially. So are you both telling me that companies are looking at design overall with more emphasis or the parts that you see on the screen with more emphasis or, or both? I would say both. I mean, I'm seeing it in just here locally in Austin, we have the Design Institutes for Health and thinking about how they're looking at physical places where you go to get medical treatment. Um, some of the changes that they're making there, we're seeing changes in architecture, we're seeing changes in street design. It's, it's showing up in a lot of different places. And I think the pandemic has accelerated it because people are demanding from their cities and from their, their uh, business partners a sense of safety and a sense of ease. And uh, they want to know that they can be confident in what they're going to get from this partner. And design is so vast. Uh, it's architecture, it's street planning, it's furniture design, it's uh, the, the seats you sit in at the DMV, all of it is designed. So I'm seeing as people realize that they need to become more sensitive and more user focused that they're realizing design is the tool that is going to help them stand out and above the competition. Okay, let me um, shift gears a little bit and be real specific on communication and collaboration tools. So I hear what you're saying, Huli, about design is increasing importance at the systems level, the product level, services overall, and that the pandemic may have increased that emphasis overall. But one of the tool, one of the types of tools that we're all using more, in fact, we're using it right now to record this podcast is Zoom, so that we can we can see each other's faces while we're talking, even if our audience can't can't see us, they'll only hear us. But we're all in Zoom more, or Teams, or whatever Google's is called this week, I've forgotten, or Slack, or all of these collaboration and video conferencing tools and whatnot. And we're working remotely, so we're, you know, we're, we're having to use these tools more. Are you seeing a lot of, in your opinion, design work done on these tools? And has the pandemic sped that up? Or have you, are you seeing mostly feature enhancements to outcompete each other um, and try to get more users on your Zoom platform than your Teams platform or your Teams platform than your Slack platform? How are you seeing the balance here between racing for new features during these times versus improving design during these times? Huli, I don't know if you agree with me, but from what I've been doing, and I know you've probably been doing maybe a little more online work because you have classes and more people, but to me, it seems more of feature improvements. Um, not necessarily new features. I don't know if that's because they are so overloaded with the amount of people using it that the focus is more on just making what is better 
versus creating something new? Why, um, what do you think about that? Well, I'm thinking about uh, apps like Sketch and Figma and Adobe XD that UX designers use to do the bulk of their day-to-day work. And Sketch was the market leader for a very, very long time. It was, it was the thing that we taught at General Assembly, we still do. Um, and you would see it in job descriptions. But one of the things that Sketch didn't have was the ability to collaborate in real time. And that was a, a limitation that Adobe XD had as well. You could have a certain number of people in the file at the same time, but not necessarily everybody. And you ran the risk of overwriting somebody else's work. And Figma was designed with collaboration in its DNA from the very beginning, and it is taking over the market. In fact, we had a, a faculty meeting last week and we were talking about how we're going to do, be doing much more in Figma than we are in Sketch. In fact, we're introducing Figma on the first day of class as part of our classroom management, not saving it for wireframing or specific lessons. We're actually using Figma as a teaching tool. It wasn't designed for that, but it's got such a robust collaboration platform. It's better than a lot of other things out there. So we're, we're kind of using it off label um, because the collaboration functionality is so strong. Uh, Sketch is trying to add collaboration functionality and they're getting there, but um, they're, they're really behind the eight ball on this, in my opinion, if they want to catch up to Figma. But and, it sounds like grab this attention. It sounds like you're talking more about features there than design for Figma over Sketch. Or are you saying that because they embraced online collaborative features from the beginning, it's enabled them to have a better design for those features? I think they had a, an idea from the very beginning. Now I haven't done the research on the origin story of Figma, so I, this is my impression but that they knew from the very beginning that collaboration was going to be key, uh, that that was the way the field of design was heading, that it wasn't just a single artist sitting in, in a garret somewhere drawing something, that it was whole squads of people. It was handoffs to developers. It was talking to engineers. And they had to develop a tool that allowed all of these people to contribute uh, asynchronously to a solution. So they didn't add in features because of a pandemic. They designed it from first principles to be a collaborative it was, yeah, tool. It, it was there from the very beginning. Yeah. And um, I think just because of where we are at this point in history, that's turned out to have been a pretty prescient uh, state uh, to start from, is that collaboration is the default not an add-on. So what does this bode for the current collaboration and communications tools? I mean, in theory, they have been designed to collaborate and communicate, but one could argue they've been designed really as part-time tools, knowing that you weren't going to be staring at them all day. And now suddenly you are. So are you seeing sort of the cracks show in any of the tools that you use? And there may have to even think about redesign for more persistent usage online? I suppose every once in a while we might present a use case that, that the company or the 
the tool hasn't anticipated, but so far I've seen them be surprisingly uh, uh, flexible going from project to project. I just helped facilitate a design sprint for uh, the US Army Futures Command and we used uh, Mural, which is a collaborating software. We had Zoom so that we could see people and hear their voices, but we had this virtual whiteboard set up and the team at Voltage Control that built this set of exercises did an amazing job that we were able to archive everything. We were able to keep multiple iterations of conversations and that was no stress on the tool, although I doubt when Mural was built that they anticipated, you know, it being used to do brainstormings about uh, ballistic missiles. Uh, <laughs> it ended up being the perfect tool for that conversation. Um, I think what I'm hearing from Huli Moore is to use a tool like Mural and Figma is almost vital in making your online experience and the online communications with your team kind of vital. Um, initially, these tools were used for designers, were created for designers to help with their design process. But as Huli said with her design sprints in her classrooms, she's seeing that um, it goes hand in hand with maybe Zoom or Google Hangouts. And JU initially asked about these tools like Zoom and Google Hangout for communication. And they have the feature that allows you to talk to someone and see someone and maybe go into a breakout room and talk with them. But what about the more tangible features of being able to draw something on a whiteboard with someone and have them see what you're doing? So using those tools together and maybe our listeners will try something out, you know, after this, after they hear this, but I think it is important to maybe try a tool in hand with Zoom or Google Hangout like Figma or Mural to make your experience online a little more realistic. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Mary that, that Zoom, Zoom is great as far as it goes for facilitating a, a straightforward conversation. But if you want engagement, uh, you can add in uh, you can add in a poll everywhere or a Slido if you want to uh, do the whiteboarding you've got Envision or Mural or Miro or even Post-its has an app that you can use. There are so many tools out there that you're not limited to just a person's face and their voice communicating. You can introduce other things. I will tell you though, that does, that does show up in the footprint in your house or your home office. Um, I have a laptop, but I rely on my second monitor. I have a giant second monitor now and I could not do what I do if I didn't have dual monitors. I would love a third one, honestly, just so that I had room to spread out. It's um, funny that you say that when Mary started working for me on a project, one of the first things I asked was, do you have a large screen monitor? And she said, no. So I, I sent her a larger screen monitor because I can't even conceive during this pandemic of working on things on a laptop size screen 
for eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours a day. Well, it's, it's crazy. I've got my, my little landscape that I set up each morning that I've got Slack open. I've got Zoom in another third of the screen. I've got the shared screen somewhere else. I've got the slide deck that I'm going to be presenting on another monitor. And I've got the video link for the video I want to show during that lecture behind that. And it's all teed up before the pandemic. Um, I'd be like, I can give you a Word document. Uh, <laughs> and now I've, I've become really familiar with a lot of different technology. Well, you guys have listed a bunch of apps. And so at the end of this, I'm going to ask a different question. I'm going to ask you to say three apps that you think are really design well and or help people with design, but not yet. Uh, so th hold that question. Uh, I have a couple more questions for you before I get to that one. Um, one is, do you think the this pandemic and maybe the increased use of collaboration and communication, online collaboration and communication tools, will not only have an increased focus on design for online tools, but will any of that translate into our real world design of physical systems? Oh, yeah, I, th I think we're already... We're already seeing that. If you, if you look historically, our theories about germs and how the more we've gotten to know about germs, the more we've changed our architecture and our interior design is going to continue to impact the more that we get to know about COVID. I mean, they, that's where closets came from. It used to be you would keep your, your clothes in a cupboard in an armoire, and what they realized was all the dust that was collecting under there wasn't necessarily really healthy. So now we've got built-ins, we've got uh, powder rooms and, and half baths for when the delivery workers or the coal man or the milkman or the ice man would come to the house to drop something off. So as people begin to be aware of health impacts, I think we're going to see a lot of changes in our physical space. We're going to see, um, gosh, we're going to see touchless controls for doors and elevators and water. We're going to see uh, new antibacterial surfaces, you know, new, new um, formulations of what we make our countertops out of. We're going to see reimagining of office space and it won't necessarily be those big open floor plans. We're going to see uh, redesigns of people's homes so that there are ways that they can divide up their workspace from their schoolroom, from their leisure time. Uh, we're going to see all kinds of cool stuff, even developing open spaces in urban areas so that people uh, can, can live in a more dense environment, but still get back to nature, that's design, choosing to develop that kind of pedestrian lifestyle and, and open green spaces. That was an amazing answer, Huli. I loved everything you <laughs> said there. I want to live in those places that you just described. I, I hope all of that comes true. Um, so I'm gonna ask you a couple of fun questions here at the end. What do you think are the most interesting design trends going forward? And they might be inspired by the pandemic or they might just be the natural evolution of design trends. But uh, Mary, what do you think in this space? What design trends are you saying that you're excited about or passionate about? I'm pretty passionate about the minimal design trend. And that's not necessarily visually minimal. Um, that is an element, but process 
minimal process, um, reducing the amount of steps it takes to get something done. And that's kind of where my whole journey with UX started. When I worked in business operations, and I had to do so many steps to get something done for my work. And it took up half my day when it could have just taken a second. Minimizing things like that and thinking from an efficiency standpoint, and you are seeing that more on, on websites and what I've done with the Dell HPC website and with apps and ordering food even. It's become a lot easier and more minimal to get things done. Less forms. I remember a, a lesson that we had about forms with Huli. But yeah, the minimal, the minimal um, design trend is what I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more. You are already seeing it, but it's becoming pretty intense. And Huli, what about you? I think something that, that is interesting is, is how the users are driving what things look like more than the force of personality. And um, hopefully you don't have him on your list as a future guest, but uh, Elon Musk and the, the Cybertruck, the Tesla Cybertruck and that kind of brutalist architecture that was being used to design that piece, that did not land, right? That did not catch fire with people. If you look at sites now, what you're seeing are, are pastels, uh, sometimes pastels against black, but you're seeing uh, blur, you're seeing uh, neutral photographs, you're seeing uh, soft edges and illustrations, you're seeing rounded corners, you're seeing uh, glowing, you're seeing soft drop shadows, you're seeing organic shapes. Um, and I think that is coming from what the users are asking for, which is a place they can go when they're stressed or they're tense or they're having a difficult time, they go online, they want to have experiences that are calming, that are trustworthy and that feel safe. And you're not going to get that with a lot of chrome and right angles and sharp grids. You're going to get that from some of the trends that you're seeing now. Now there's an argument to be made that um, that design is being watered down right now because it's becoming so nice. And if you go to Dribbble, where, where a lot of designers post their work, you'll see that there are a lot of very similar flat designs. And uh, the people with the little tiny heads and, and the big giant bodies and, and the little tiny hands and feet. Um, that's a trend. But I think what we're really seeing is the rise of the user and the response of design to see what their users need, what they're demanding, what they're asking for. The other piece that I hope is not a trend, I hope it is, it is something that catches fire and keeps going, is this commitment uh, to accessibility and inclusion. And the fact that you know somebody who wants to get a COVID vaccine and who has low vision shouldn't be later in line for someone who doesn't just because their text reader can't, can't understand the website that you built. Making websites and digital experiences open and accessible to everyone, I hope that's bigger than a trend. I hope that's something that is a, a sea change in the field and that people continue 
to operate from this place where we, we start from accessibility as a core value and refuse to consider human beings as edge cases. Wonderful answers, both of you. Um, I'm enjoying this conversation so much that I'm going to ask you two final questions instead of one. <laughs> uh, one of the fun final questions is, is, what are the tools that you would recommend to people out there, tools, apps, websites um, to, to use in design and to encourage them to uh, use good design principles and collaborate with others on design. So Huli, I'll start with you on this and then Mary, love to hear your favorite design tools as well. Oh gosh, well, I, I'd say Figma. Figma is really growing on me as a kind of a, a Swiss army knife of tools. I'm also a big fan of both Miro and Mural for digital whiteboarding. I think it's a great uh, robust, they're both great robust products for harnessing groups of people in collaboration. Uh, huge fan of Trello for product management and project management and just keeping things organized, whether it's for me personally or whether it's for a team project. And then Slack, big fan of Slack uh, for communication and is I hardly use email anymore except for short personal conversations. Almost every work project I have, there's a Slack channel a Slack workspace and that's where we, we have our conversations. But I'd be interested to hear what Mary's seeing out there in the, in the big wide world of Dell and what, what you're seeing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I use mostly Figma. I love Figma. I even used it this past summer in an interview as a whiteboarding session. I shared my screen with them and shared my Figma with them and we were able to work together. Um, Slack, obviously. I it's become so ingrained Slack in my daily routine, uh, Huli, since 2017 that I didn't even think of it as a tool that I use because it's just there all mm -hmm. the time. Um, and then Airtable. I used Airtable really vigorously oh, good in business one. operations. Yeah, mm -hmm. in 2017 and 2018. And I'm bringing it back to manage my routines um, it, now for design. And it's come so far. I remember Airtable really just being a smart Excel sheet. And now it has all these different widgets and views and ways to see what you have to do that I'm honestly overwhelmed and I don't really need that much yet. But to see it evolve <laughs> like that over the last two years is pretty amazing. Um, so those, those are definitely my top three. All right. Well, now I'm going to ask you a question for our lay audience that may not be ready to embrace some of these tools yet, but hopefully has been inspired to care more about design from this podcast episode. So Mary, I'm going to start with you. And the question is, if you had to recommend to your friends, any book or movie or website or blog post or something to get them to appreciate the importance and power of design, what would it be? I think a good place to start if you really are so new to the world of design, whether it's 
inter interior design, um, UX design, toy design, object product design, any type of design. Uh, I would say the Netflix show Abstract. That's what it's called. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Um, it every episode is done so well, and they go into a specific designer's process for whatever their type of design is. And it's really engaging and user-friendly. If you're new to that world, it can maybe even show you something you wouldn't know you were passionate about. I definitely recommend that show. Huli? I won't surprise Mary with this answer, but uh, one of my favorite sites out there is called Calamityware. And there are uh, small artisan porcelain shop um, and they've just got they've got fantastic products to begin with but they've got amazing content strategy they've got uh, beautiful visual design uh, it's a really clean website they have a hilarious uh, newsletter that they sent out they're always introducing new products and they're they're doing them based on what they're users are asking for. The, it's, it's a riff on the blue willow china pattern that your grandmother probably had, only it's got um, dinosaurs and <laughs> sasquatches and um, pirates and all kinds of other dangerous calamities that may befall you. And I just love how they've rolled everything together for their company in terms of design from the words they use to the end products, to how they're shipped, to, to uh, the personal notes that you get when you correspond with them. And they come with these lovely hand-drawn illustrations. And it's really just a pleasure uh, to work with them. Lots of companies are trying to get into that space, but Calamityware is just a little bitty company. I think it's only three people um, and they do it right. I'm gonna Every have to check I that out. That, yeah, I think I, of yeah. I, I've seen uh, Abstract, a good friend of mine recommended that to me because she knew of my interest in design, but I had not seen Calamity Wear Huli, so I'll have to check that out. Huli probably knows what got me interested in yeah, understanding yeah. design. <laughs> the movie Helvetica. I, I saw that That's at a right. film festival. That's right. And uh, I only even saw it because I had a few hours to kill. And I was next to the theater that was showing it. And I thought, my God, I don't really want to go into a theater about a movie about a font. Eh, but it's hot outside. I got two hours to kill. And I loved it because yes. they talked all about design in that movie. And, and history and context yeah. and, and where it came from and what it means. It's, you guys, if you haven't gone down the font rabbit hole, that's, that's a whole other, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole really other is. world, man. I highly recommend it. Well, thank you for your recommendations on tools and shows and websites for your insights on why design is important and how the pandemic may have changed it and increased people's awareness of that importance. Um, I hope we can come back and revisit this topic regularly, but I'm, I'm really thankful to have you both on the show. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for, thanks having, for having us. I really enjoyed it. It was nice to see you You're again, Uli. You too. You too. All right. That concludes this episode of the Austin Forum Upload. Please check out other episodes 
in this season. We're covering lots of great topics this year. So I hope you'll check us out. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.